Constellation. 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 Welcome to Inner Bloom, a podcast about spirituality and intuitive empowerment where we help each other evolve and ascend through conscious community. I'm Alexa, a healer who utilizes EFT, also known as tapping, to help you process stuck emotions, release limiting beliefs, and reconnect with your inner child. I'm Ambrosia, a psychic medium and Arcturian channel, here to uplift and inspire you to see that you are capable of more than you know. Together, we empower people to live extraordinary lives. We do want to warn you, if you hang out with us long enough, you'll start to believe in yourself and realize that you're capable of anything. Enjoy Enjoy the the show. show. Hello, friends. This is Alexa, one half of Inner Bloom. Coming at you today from the editing bay, also the recording bay. Um, It is just me today, and the reason for that is because pregnancy things. Um, We actually had a different interview scheduled. I was not feeling the best all of a sudden, and uh, we had to reschedule that, and Ambie couldn't record because she had a full day. And so what I said was, you know what? I have this book called The Awakened Empath, The Ultimate Guide to Emotional, Psychological, and Spiritual Healing by Luna and Soul. And I know that everyone in our audience is an empath to some degree. So this is a really beautifully written book. It's literally a guide, as it says, to how to navigate the world as an empath. And you'll know if you've taken our webinar or if you're in our intuitive course that we do talk about um, tips for empaths and strategies for empaths and understanding empaths. But this book really goes into it. So I told Ambie I would read a chapter out of this book um, for today's episode because I think it can be really helpful, especially right now as we're all getting even more sensitive and also a lot of people having to go back to work and there's just, there's a, there's a lot going on. So the chapter that I chose is actually called Empath Friendships and Relationships. There actually is a chapter on work, but I, I felt intuitively like this chapter was more important right now. And maybe if I continue reading in the future, I'll read the work one. So get comfy and, uh, Here we go. Chapter three, empath friendships and relationships. I have people I don't even know come to me for help. I love helping people and everything, but it's very shocking that I have complete strangers come to me for advice or any type of help. That's a quote from Danielle, an empath reader. So here we go. As highly sensitive people with the gift of compassion in our DNA, we naturally attract a lot of different types of people. Often the people we tend to attract are deeply wounded individuals, making it difficult for us empaths to find authentically fulfilling relationships and friendships. How many times, for example, have strangers or people at work randomly opened their hearts to you and shared deeply intimate details of their lives? How many times have you been treated as an emotional dumping ground because of your caring and compassionate nature? As you may already know, it's extremely hard to say no as an empath. 
As emotional radars, we instantly pick up the vibes around us and tend to gravitate the most to those who are hurting, even if we're not in a good place. Our intense desire to help and soothe the pain of others often results in a whole range of interpersonal and inner issues. We need to learn how to establish healthy friendships and relationships if we are to thrive as empaths. Empaths and friendships. As empaths, we are loyal, attentive, and nurturing friends. We will stick by others through thick and thin. But if you're like most empaths, you will tend to struggle with finding and maintaining friendships that are based on mutual giving, caring, and respect. Because of our tendency to attract lost and wounded souls, we generally tend to wind up having one-sided, needy, and draining friendships. Having big hearts, we feel that it's against our nature to turn away those in need of help or an open and empathetic ear. The result is that we get sucked into exhausting, unfulfilling, and sometimes even narcissistic friendships. Take one of our readers, Amanda, for example. Amanda related that one of the hardest things about university wasn't actually the study involved, but the people. Being highly empathic by nature, Amanda had made a number of friendships all based on the fact that she was an extremely empathic listener. But halfway through her course, she could tell that something was seriously wrong. Although she was popular, had a thriving social life, and was doing well in her studies, she felt completely depleted and was getting chronically sick. It felt as though I had a thick layer of slime inside of me that never went away, she recalled. As she began to withdraw from her friends and focus only on her studies, she suddenly realized that the burden she was carrying was the emotional energy of her friends. After this realization, everything changed. All the baggage I was carrying, it just went away. I felt new again. I felt this relief that I can only describe as inner lightness because I wasn't wasting my time on one-sided friendships. Finally, I was able to confirm that I am an empath. As we can see, sometimes the best way to learn about taking care of ourselves as empaths is by creating distance and testing our hypothesis. However, sometimes it isn't possible for us to create distance. So what do we do when there's no way to permanently distance ourselves? One of the most useful empathic skills I learned was while working as an assistant in a large government building many years ago. At the time, I was surrounded by many people of all ages and races, and the atmosphere often felt thick and oppressive with undercurrents of tense, stressful energy. As an empath, I knew that certain people there had serious emotional problems and struggles in their lives, even without being told so. Naturally, I couldn't help but gravitate towards these people and lend an open heart. But over time, I began feeling like I had dug myself into a very deep pit that I couldn't get out of. Every time I'd go to work, I would feel anxious, ungrounded, and extremely fatigued as a result of being near these people and engaging in deep conversations with them. The only problem was that, at the time, I was in debt, so quitting wasn't an option. Feeling desperate and stranded, I decided that my only option was to create emotional distance and focus on my job. While it was difficult at first to create emotional distance, eventually the people who had been unloading their energy on me got the message and took a step back. Thanks to learning this skill, I discovered how to create boundaries by respecting my needs for emotional breathing space. Setting an emotional barrier is a good practice for those who have not learned how to deal with negative energy yet. So that you don't feel too emotionally isolated, you can also quietly send loving energy to those you wish to help but aren't in a position to.
In another chapter, you'll learn how to establish healthy boundaries and barriers along with many other empowering tools. But for now, here's a bit of advice if you're struggling as an empath with smothering friendships. One, think about the friendships you have had in your life, you have in your life, in terms of emotional investments. Are you getting back what you give, or are you giving more than you're getting? Two, what percentage of time do you spend listening versus talking in your friendships? For example, you might listen 80% of the time and only speak 20% of the time. If you find that you're listening more than sharing, you likely have an unhealthy and lopsided friendship on your hands. Number three, experiment with staying away from your friends for the period of a week or two. How do you feel when their energy is not in your life? Do you feel more light and relaxed or do you miss their company? Four, learn how to create emotional barriers by reclaiming your right to say no. Saying no is not selfish. It is a sign that you care about yourself and your needs. In fact, learning how to say a gentle but firm no to others who are overstepping your boundaries is a form of self-love and respect. Although being assertive can feel weird and uncomfortable at first, keep practicing it. On average, it takes about two months to establish a new habit, so expect to feel a bit awkward at the beginning. However, if you persist, you'll savor the new freedom this skill gives you. Five, if you struggle to say a flat out no to your friends, you might like to try saying, no thanks, I'm not able to do that, I can't, sorry, or other variations. Six, if you're feeling overwhelmed by someone and their story, you can always take a time out. Trying breathing deep into your belly to ground yourself or make an excuse to leave, for example, you have to catch the bus, meet a deadline, pick up the kids, etc., in other chapters in this book, you'll learn more ways to ground yourself in social situations. If your friend colleague is close to you, simply try openly communicating with them. For example, if you feel burdened by the story they're sharing, you could tell them, this is all a lot to absorb. I need time to take this in. Alternatively, you might even like to share with your close friends the fact that you're an empath and how this influences your relationship with energy. After experimenting with these practices, you might discover that a significant number of your friends are actually, quote, energy vampires who take a lot from you but give very little in return. Don't worry, this is normal. While it might be difficult to let these people fade from your life, you'll be left with a few quality friendships that truly nourish and support you. Think of this process as a time of purging or detoxing your life. Almost every empath who has gone through this experience has come out feeling invigorated. Empaths and relationships. And there's a quote here by a nice nin that says, I can only connect deeply or not at all. One of the most beautiful and transcendental, but also gut-wrenching experiences empaths can ever go through is that of falling in love. Love to empaths isn't just a shallow experience based on looks, social status, or great sex. Instead, love is something that comes from the very heart and soul of what an empath is. Love is intense passion, unconditional devotion, and absolute fierce vulnerability. An empath loves and nurtures his or her family like nothing else in the world, and the beloved partner of an empath will receive a love so profound that it can be overwhelming. When it comes to relationships, empaths truly shine. This is because it is not the face, body, or personality of a person that empaths fall in love with. It is their soul. 
Thus, in healthy and loving relationships, this translates to a deeply empathetic and almost telepathic understanding of the other, despite their flaws and shortcomings. Because of their sacred gift of translating and embodying energy, empaths are able to spot their soulmates or twin flames a mile away. For example, without even knowing my partner Mateo, I was immediately able to see that we were energetically and spiritually compatible. Not only that, but I was able to intuitively sense that he would play a massive role in my life. And this was within minutes of meeting him. Many empaths all over the world have encountered the same experience. But the major drawback of having a big heart is that we often confuse love for pity. In other words, because we have a tendency to care deeply and strongly about others, we're often unable to differentiate the desire to help someone from the experience of loving someone. This struggle can often be seen in our tendency to get into unhealthy and codependent relationships. In fact, our habit of confusing love with pity is often why we end up attracting narcissists and other extremely disturbed people. We'll explore the empath-narcissist connection in a later chapter. Besides getting into narcissistic and codependent relationships, we also have the tendency to lose ourselves in relationships. By losing ourselves, I mean that we tend to lose touch with our needs and often our sense of self. There are a number of reasons why we lose touch with ourselves in relationships as empaths. The first is that we often become so focused on supporting, nurturing, and helping our partners and children if we have them, that we become alienated from our own need to be taken care of. For years, sometimes decades, we become heavily enmeshed in the role of the caregiver And to some extent, it gives us a solid sense of identity. But the more we starve ourselves of love and attention and channel that towards others, the harder it is for us to keep it all together. In other words, we start experiencing emotional fatigue and inner neglect. We start falling apart. The second reason why we tend to lose touch with ourselves in relationships is that we struggle to develop a strong individuated sense of self to begin with. Because we tend to feel constant emotions soaking into us from others, most of us empaths have grown up with a shaky sense of self. We're constantly left wondering, what energy is mine and what isn't? Why do I often feel like I'm traveling up and down on an emotional roller coaster? Obviously, the more energetic input we've had from others, the harder it is for us to figure out who we truly are. Therefore, when we get into romantic relationships with others, it's very easy for us to lose ourselves because we've always had a delicate sense of self. Perhaps Eckhart Tolle put it best when he says, when you lose touch with yourself, you lose yourself in the world. As empaths, one of the quickest ways to completely lose our grounding in reality is by deferring our needs and wants in relationships. Because of our tendency to lose ourselves in relationships, It is common for us to become attracted to emotionally unavailable people as a protection mechanism. We so often fall into dysfunctional cycles of pursuing people who cannot or will not grow close to us, thereby preventing us from being emotionally smothered or trapped. This unconscious process of avoiding intimacy helps us to feel stable, but ends up backfiring on us once we realize that we need true, soulful intimacy. As highly sensitive individuals, we simply cannot stand to feel trapped, constricted, or smothered in any way. We highly value our freedom and autonomy, making us particularly prone to staying single for long periods of time. In fact, it is essential that we experience breathing space in our relationships. 
Otherwise, we feel overwhelmed and inundated, not only by our partner's energy, but also by the constricting roles we have to play out. Our deep desire for autonomy and emotional breathing space is precisely why so many of us empaths tend to adopt unconventional relationships and run away from those that don't allow such liberties. For example, some empaths I know prefer to sleep in different rooms from their partners or even live in different houses. Others only see their partners once or twice a week or prefer long-distance relationships. Many empaths never choose to get married because of the energetic baggage marriage tends to create. For instance, I have never chosen to get married to my partner because I feel wonderfully secure in our relationship exactly as it is. The thought of being a wife makes me personally feel extremely uncomfortable and claustrophobic. The same goes for Mateo with the thought of being a husband. Marriage just doesn't seem to suit us. However, not every empath feels this way, and that is fine too. It is important that we identify our romantic needs as empaths. While some of these needs might be a little quirky or unusual, they are what help us to feel confident, stable, and happy in our relationships. Sometimes we need to release the stereotypes we carry in our heads of what relationships should look like and pay attention to what we actually want as sensitive people. We also need to understand that our partners are not mind readers, so we need to clearly identify our needs to create harmony in our relationships. Not only does identifying our needs create more romantic balance, but it also helps us to practice authenticity and self-love. Here are some tips that can help you discover your romantic needs. One, explore your triggers. When your needs are not met, you feel sadness, anger, or disconnection towards your partner. Therefore, one of the best ways to uncover your needs is by exploring your emotional triggers and the unmet needs hidden behind them. Explore your triggers by examining what made you react negatively. Was it your own thoughts or behaviors that made you feel discomfort, or was it your partner's actions? It is important that you make this distinction so that you can take responsibility for your own actions and help your partner to take responsibility for theirs. You also might like to note any situation that made you feel unhappy in the past or is currently making you unhappy to reflect on. I like to record my thoughts in online note-taking programs such as Evernote. Number two, distinguish between your needs and wants. Your needs are very different from wants, so it is important that you make a clear distinction. While wants are surface desires that can easily change, needs are deep requirements that cannot be bargained with. When your wants are not met, you are prone to feeling annoyed and restless. But when your needs are not met, you feel depressed, resentful, misunderstood, displaced, and devalued. Needs are real deal breakers. When they are not met, relationships quickly fizzle up and die. In order to function well in a healthy relationship as an empath, you need to carefully distinguish between your deepest needs and superficial wants. To do this, ask yourself, would I still be happy in this relationship if I didn't get this? For example, will you be happy in the long term with a partner who doesn't share your spirituality? Will you be happy in a relationship that doesn't involve a lot of sex? Will you be happy in a relationship that involves constant travel and little physical stability? Remember, it's still important to share your wants with your partner, but needs are absolutely unbreakable. They are reflections of your values and requirements to thrive as a person. Number three, create your own needs list. Not knowing what your needs are in a relationship is like going to a grocery store without bringing a list. With no list, you'll be wandering through each aisle, picking random items, hoping they'll all help you cook something delicious. Hmm, salt, pickles, cookies, onions, carrots. I sure hope all of these go well together. The same goes for relationships. 
You need to know what you're looking for before you commit. Otherwise, you can easily fall into relationships that don't suit you. Even if you have already committed to someone, you will still benefit from exploring your needs and creating a needs list. A needs list is exactly what it sounds like. A list of all the needs you require the most in the other person and the relationship. This list is a valuable tool that can help you pinpoint where your needs are not being met and also whether a potential relationship will work or not. Keep in mind that it's normal to feel a sense of uneasiness at the thought of creating a needs list. This is because it will expose whatever is and isn't working in your relationship, and this reality can be confronting. But although the truth can be hard to face, it will provide you with the opportunity to either strengthen your current relationship or help you find one that is more compatible with your needs. It is much more merciful to reach a clear conclusion about your relationship rather than to avoid the truth, drag everything out, and feel resentful about what is missing. Either way, you will receive a blessing in disguise. Below, you'll find a sample list with various needs. Feel free to draw inspiration from it to create your own list. I need regular physical affection. I need to be physically attracted to my mate. I need to feel safe sharing my feelings. I need to feel safe sharing my thoughts. I need a partner who shares the same values as me. I need regular, honest communication. I need someone who respects my space. I need someone who will support my life goals. I need daily private time away from my partner. I need both of us to be monogamous. I need a partner who will provide for my family. I need a partner who isn't addicted to smoking drugs or alcohol. I need us both to live together. I need us to live apart. I need a partner who shares the same spiritual beliefs. I need a partner who keeps their promises. I need a partner who does or doesn't want children. I need a partner who's sensitive and empathetic. I need a partner who accepts me just as I am. I need someone with whom I can have deep conversations. I need someone who wants to spend time with me each day. I need us to both take equal initiative to uphold the relationship. You might also like to encourage your partner to create their own needs list so you can both work together to create mutual harmony and respect. Also, try not to view this list as an ultimatum. In other words, if everything on this list isn't met, then you will instantly terminate the relationship. Instead, pay attention to your partner's willingness to find ways to fulfill these needs. Their openness is what counts. Okay. We've got a few more pages left here, and then we're going to pause because this is a long chapter, but we're going to finish this uh, list out. So number four, openly communicate your needs. Sharing your needs with your partner can be uncomfortable and awkward, especially if you haven't had practice. As empaths, many of us tend to favor our partner's needs in place of our own, so it can feel strange to finally share our own needs and speak up. But once you get over the initial discomfort, you will find your relationship becoming deeper, richer, and more rewarding. In order to openly communicate your needs, you need to carefully pick a time in which both of you are relaxed and available. Otherwise, if you pick the wrong time, your partner might feel overwhelmed and inundated. When you start communicating with your partner, try to pick one need at a time, starting with what you need the most. For example, you might need to spend time snuggling with them every day because you aren't getting enough physical contact. Explain to your partner you, your need in a casual and sincere way. For example, you know, I would really love to cuddle with you in the afternoon. I need to feel closer with you. What do you think? If your need revolves around something they're doing which is intensely unsettling to you, for example, outbursts of anger, try to approach this delicately. Instead of saying that there's something wrong with them or their relationship, tell them what you need. When you communicate in a way that suggests you are blaming them, they will be more prone to shutting off and becoming defensive. To keep the dialogue between the two of you open, try to phrase what you say positively, not negatively. For example, if your partner has angry outbursts, you might say, 
I had something on my mind that I wanted to share with you. When you get angry, I feel threatened and overwhelmed. I need to feel safe around you to feel comfortable in this relationship. I would love us to both work through the problems you're experiencing so we can enjoy more peace. By sharing how you feel and proposing a solution, your chances of having your needs met and enhancing your relationship will increase. And number five, finally, it's, oh, number five, take responsibility for your happiness. Finally, it's important to take responsibility for your happiness. True happiness comes from within, not from the external world or even from your partner. While it's important to have a relationship that meets your needs, your happiness shouldn't be dependent on your relationship. I have mentored one too many people who have based all of their happiness on how successful they're doing in the romance realm. Once their relationship fails or if they continue to remain single, they become depressed, bitter, and angry. It's dangerous to base our happiness on something as unpredictable and external as a relationship. Even if that relationship feels secure, we never truly know what will happen. It is also unfair to expect our partners to make us happy because that places an immense psychological and emotional burden on them. Not only are they responsible for finding their own fulfillment, but they're also responsible for making us feel fulfilled as well. Through time, pressure, tension, stress, and resentment slowly build as one or both partners start to feel more like cellmates rather than soulmates. Relationships like this that have the you must make me happy dynamic are very unhealthy and often end up failing. However, relationships that have a let's be happy together dynamic in which each person takes responsibility for their own happiness tend to last. The difference between the you must make me happy dynamic and sharing our needs is the intention. When we share our needs out of the belief that our partners are responsible for our happiness, we inevitably suffer over and over again. However, when we share our needs out of respect for ourselves, we take responsibility for our own happiness. One of the best things my own partner ever said to me was, I want you to support me, not try to complete me. And that's where we are going to end today. My throat was actually getting scratchy. That was a long read. And we were only like halfway through that chapter because the next thing um, in the chapter was empaths and sexuality. And then it was empaths and dating. So um, maybe I'll pick that back up at a future time. Or if you guys want to get the book, again, it's called Awakened Empath, The Ultimate Guide to Emotional, Psychological, and Spiritual Healing by Luna and Soul. Um, so hope that that was helpful, helpful for you guys. Hopefully you took something away from it. Like I said, I'm pretty sure everyone who listens to this podcast is an empath to some degree. So I think everyone can, um, relate to it in some way and a couple announcements. So Thank you so much to everyone who has been joining Patreon. We are so close to our goal. We are like under 20 away from our goal of 111 patrons, uh, which is when we're going to post our really embarrassing videos of us screaming our heads off while we get waxed. Um, (laughs) So uh, really excited for that. That's coming up soon. Um, And also wanted to announce some dates for the rest of the month for our patrons and like the things that we're doing on Patreon. So um, next week, which is the week of the 18th, we have a couple things going on. One is we are going to record the bonus 
episode of our Patreon, the second bonus episode, which is the one where we intuitively read into a conspiracy or an unsolved mystery, we currently have the poll up on our Patreon and our patrons are voting right now. I can tell you right now that the um, the one that looks like it's going to win if we were choosing today would be, I think, Amelia Earhart. I'm trying to pull it up to see uh, what happened to Amelia Earhart. Um, close runners up behind are, hold on, bear with me, technology. Okay, let's see. Uh, close runners up behind are, hmm, uh, what's in Area 51? Good question. And is there such a thing as a new world order and what is it and all of that? So, um, yeah, and there's a ton of options on here. So make sure if you want to vote, you only get one vote. So use it wisely and uh, go vote because the actual interview that we do, the actual bonus episode is going to be next week, April 20th at noon Eastern Standard Time. So we will live stream that to our Patreon page and any all patrons um, will be able to ask questions and participate in the recording. Um, again, you can join Patreon for as low as $5. Also, we do have a new pay in full option. Um, sorry, it's like a pay annually option. And basically, if you know, for example, you're like, oh, I really like these bonus episodes or I really like... Um, I really like combos with ARC9 every month, and I know I'm going to do it for the next year. You can pay annually, and you'll get 15% off. So make sure you check out that option. Um, also, I do want to announce when we are doing our combos with ARC9 this month. It is going to be on the last Friday of the month, April 29th, at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So we will post the Zoom link for that. Um not next week, but the week after, so that you guys can uh, make sure you have the Zoom link to join and, and send in your questions if you can't be there live. Um, and then I did want to remind you guys about, this also goes for all of our patrons. We do a monthly VIP Zoom call um, with me and Ambie and anyone who wants to join. So we've decided to turn this into an Ask Us Anything call, which means... You guys can just come on there and ask us anything or bring up whatever you want and we'll answer and we'll address it. And we'll, it's also a good way to get to know you guys better um, because we'll be able to see you. It'll be like a Zoom hangout, but that's going to be the basis of it. Ask us anything because every time we do ask us anything on the podcast, you guys have such great questions and we always like are like, oh, there's so many good ones and we have to go. So um, that's that. Our Philly event is coming up so soon. There's some of, it's really cool. A lot of you are like driving in from nearby places. Um, we only have a few tickets left and this is gonna be a really beautiful, really high vibe event. High vibe event. Ambie's gonna be here. Obviously her girlfriend's gonna be here. Um, and uh, we're all gonna go out afterwards because that's what we tend to do with these events. So if you wanna spend some quality time, um, make sure you grab a ticket. And, oh man, so many announcements. Okay, and then the last thing is that we only have, we just had another person sign up for our retreat. So we really only have five spots left, I believe. I'll double check on that. But I think we only have five spots left for the retreat. So if this is something that you're wanting to uh, join, I would highly recommend reaching out to us, applying on the website. It's just a very short application. Um, we do have 
payment options. We also have pay in full discounts. And once again, the retreat is June 9th through 12th in uh, right outside of Atlanta in the Blue Ridge Mountains at this beautiful retreat center called Elohi. And we just found out that there is literally a waterfall outside of the house that we are all staying in together. It's literally a waterfall you can swim in. Like it's, it's crazy. Uh, beautiful. So that's that. Um, and just a reminder, at this retreat, we're going to be teaching our You're Not Crazy, Your Intuitive course at the retreat. So if you've been wanting to get some hands-on practice uh, with your intuition, if you want to learn, if you want to really see what you can do, this is an amazing way to do it. And I can tell you right now, this is probably the sweetest group of people. Like all the people that are coming is like the sweetest group of people I could ever imagine. So I just feel like this is going to be a sweetheart of a retreat. Every retreat kind of has a theme and I'm calling this one the sweetheart retreat. So if you've wanted to go to a retreat, but we're nervous of like, oh, I don't know if like people will like me or I don't know how, I don't know what if, what if it's not what I expect. I can almost guarantee you this is going to be one of the like most loving and welcoming groups of people possible. So, um, yeah, I guess that's it. Um, we are always so appreciative for you guys. Uh, thank you so much for being a part of our community. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for interacting with us. And um, hope you have a great weekend and we'll see you next week. Until next time, keep on blooming. Bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we would love, love, love it if you would leave a rating and review on Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like to get in touch for a reading with Ambi, an EFT session with Alexa, or just to say what up, you can email us at innerbloompodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at innerbloompodcast.com.